Hello, I'm Alma Schneider. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mother of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. And I am Iris Miller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and the proud mother of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising children with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms, No Fluff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Moms, No Fluff, the place where we discuss the uncensored truth of raising children with disabilities. I'm Alma Schneider, and I'm here with my lovely friend and partner, Iris Miller, and she's going to let us know what we are going to be talking about today. Hello, Alma, and hello to all of our listeners. Alma, I'm very excited uh, to talk about the topic of the day. But before I do that, I have to ask you about your shirt with your interesting pattern for those who cannot see it. Um, A green shirt with, I can't even see what's on it, but. A very unusual shirt. I'm showing it to you. Of course, I got it, guess, at a thrift shop. And (laughs) it's nice. It has like an interesting detail on it with uh, holes in the arms so that for the premenopausal and menopausal women who are flashing to the oldies, uh, hot flashing, it gives you a lot of air. So yes, I'm wearing it today because it's uh, very nice out today. And um, finally, we have a little bit of warm weather. So um, yes, thank you for commenting. And I see that you, Iris, are not wearing your typical uniform today. You are wearing I know. something other than blue. Yeah, something other than dark blue and a turtleneck because I'm absolutely freezing in my Michigan basement where I record all of those episodes. So in order to survive the temperatures here, I over overloaded with layers and uh, this is a wool turtleneck that would save me. And it is burgundy, not dark blue. I'm sorry. I think it's the first of 60 episodes in which I'm not wearing dark blue. Apologies to all the dark blue fans in the audience. (laughs) So our episode today is about something that happened to me a few times. I am assuming that other parents have gone through this too. Today we are going to talk about breaking points in parenting and more specifically in parenting kids with disabilities. This is a very painful topic for all of us, but uh, yes, we too reach our edge or our limit of human capability and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that a little bit today Alma do you want to start or do you want me to go first why don't you go first since you're you're already on a roll <laughs> so um, something that uh, I wasn't prepared for in my parenting journey and we spoke a bit about this in the past that uh, basically my daughter uh, was kind of like lingering between life and death, uh, you know, when she was born. And during that time, I had also a few hours that I didn't even know what what was her destiny, if she's still with us or left us forever. And I made a lot of kind of vows for myself and for her during that time. And I really wanted to just give her the world and in my parenting journey at the early years, it was all kind of, I, I just 
I existed only to make her needs and make her wants uh, recognized and to serve to the best that I could. But uh, even with the best of intentions, I guess a person cannot exist <laughs> without sleep. Mm -hmm. And the thing that kind of broke me as a mother and brought me to kind of my knees and to also the understanding that I cannot do it all on my own, given I have a husband who's a full uh, partner in this journey, but still it's just uh, he works full time and the majority of the day responsibilities were on me. And also because I was nursing for many years, the majority of the nights were on me, both uh, with my daughter and then later on with my son. So what, um, what, what was the main, main challenge was to stay sane during the days after I haven't slept for night and sometimes night after night after night and also to be the compassionate helpful um, useful mother that I wanted to be at night and my first breaking points uh, happened always in the middle of the night when I was extremely sleep deprived and there wasn't another kind of adult to kind of mitigate the situation and help me when I felt that I'm falling apart. And that was a really, really painful realization that uh, I can't do it by myself anymore and we need more help. Yeah. Well, I would like to say that my breaking points have all been due to lack of sleep, but I can't, but I can't say that. Oh, I, they weren't all due to lack of sleep, but this is just the first example of sleep deprivation. Oh. I have many more examples. I'm like, come on, it's me. I break up like many, many times or break down. I don't know how oh, you say it. Okay, so you are human. You're not the- uh, Definitely, the that was just the first example, people. Okay. All right, that makes me feel a little bit more, more, uh, human. Um, so yes, I have had many breaking points and there is a common thread with all of my breaking points um, or most of them. And that is kind of being on automatic and not taking a moment to pause to think about uh, taking care of myself and to ask for help. So it's similar to what you're saying that you, you, you needed help, you know, you needed to get some sleep and you needed somebody to be helping you uh, so that you could sleep. Um, you know, that example is just, you know, just talking about sleep is one, is one thing that we all require to be our best selves and to not crack, but there are many other things that can contribute to feeling like you're doing things alone and just having your body, you know, kind of collapse on you because there's just so much, as you mentioned, there's just so much we can take uh, emotionally and physically. So a lot of my uh, breaking points have been around not getting, might've been more emotional that I feel like um, I'm not even aware that I am taking on too much. And then I get so overwhelmed and then I lash out at my kids or my husband um, that they're not helping me or I have displaced anger about one kid's room being dirty. I used to get very upset with my kids when I would just walk in their room at night and their room was a complete mess and I would start screaming at them and I feel terrible in my older age looking back because so much of that was um, displaced anger and upset about 
the other things that were that were um, that I felt I wasn't being helped with, but it wasn't even conscious. So all to say, it's very very important, as we've talked about before, to have communication with the people in our homes to make sure that, um, and not just our homes, but outside of the home as well, people who can help us and support us, to let them know on an ongoing basis, not just when there's a crisis, that we need help every day. Again, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And we need to make sure that every day we are checking in with ourselves and having things planned in our calendar to make sure that we are um, not doing, we are not running around the entire day that there's a way for somebody to help us and to step in and to, to just do to the best of our abilities to, to make that happen, not just be aware of it, but to take steps to make it happen. So we don't even get to the breaking point. Right. Alma, you know, the self-care piece is so important because uh, it brings me back to my point about the sleep deprivation. Having a decent amount of hours of sleep at night should not be a luxury. That should be the bare minimum of self-care. Mm -hmm. And I want to say that uh, I hope that this might be a wake-up call <laughs> for all of the already awake parents that don't get to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. that not only like to advocate for themselves to get more help, whether it's through um, the government or an insurance company or any friends or family that is able and willing to help, but uh, to know to prioritize, for example, when you do get an aid, don't think first about your child with a disability and their needs. Think first about yourself. When would be the best time for you to catch up on sleep? and schedule the time around your needs first, because it's like the analogy within air, the airplane. If you don't put a cast, the like air mask kind of on yourself first, you won't be able to help your child to the degree that you want. So I, I think that um, we need to change the paradigm almost and think of ourselves as the caregivers first. I always say it's sad that they offer PT for the children with disabilities, but not for the parents that need to carry and bend and, and lift all day long, because yeah. what happens when that parent can no longer do that for their child? So I hope that the shift in the caregiving model is going to slowly come as a grassroots movement from the parents demanding more for themselves so they can better function for their kids. I am... Um, and didn't you tell me that when you lived in California, that part of your insurance covered massages for you? Canada. That was in Canada. Alberta, Canada. Alberta, Canada. That was such a privilege. And uh, to all of our Canadian listeners, uh, I, you have to remind me how exactly it works. But uh, I, we got uh, a massage in a spa or a, I guess, physical therapy office, wherever we chose. And it was part of our uh, healthcare program it was amazing and so so needed i wish there was something similar here in the u.s um i just want to say my other kind of uh, breaking point uh, i guess uh, catholicist would be uh, appointments and meetings with professionals uh, medical professionals um, pts ot's physicians they would just somehow bring the worst out of a situation and I think we recorded a full episode about this in dealing with medical professionals. Please mm -hmm. listen to that episode because we kind of detail how this can be improved. But my message to parents, 
if you leave a doctor's appointment or a meeting with a PT and OT that makes you just feel like you want to die, or you left the meeting and you feel like there is no hope for your child, for you, for your family, this is not the right uh, professional to work with. Your child is going to be okay, no matter the circumstances. You are going to be okay, no matter the circumstances. If someone can bring such a wave of negativity into your life in a single meeting or appointment, this is not the right prof uh, pro professional. And the problem is not the disability, is their inability to provide services in the way that you need. And I would recommend just uh, steer away from people like that, that really suck all positivity out of you, your uh, family and your child with a disability. And not just medical professionals. I want to piggyback on what you're saying about when you leave situations with, with medical professionals that, make, that leave you feeling that way, you want to switch the professionals if you can. That goes for friends too, people in your community, because there are a lot of people who may provide uh, some kind of support for you and, or they might be an old friend or they might be a new friend who's, who's able to connect with you for some other reason. But when you're leaving interactions with people in your life um, that leave you feeling just uncomfortable, unhappy, dirty people have explained they feel dirty when they leave certain people because of things that they say or it's also very much of a gut reaction pay attention to that because that can be another way for us to we will get to a breaking point if we don't address it either with them or with ourselves and say you know what this person just brings out the worst in me i don't want to deal with this person and nobody's holding a gun to your head to hang out with people we might feel like, oh, it'll be impolite if I don't associate with this person or if I don't get back to them. It's really important that we prioritize our social interactions, who we're interacting with when we don't have much time and we don't have as much um, or as many internal resources emotionally because we have you know difficult situations all the time. So we really have limited amounts of of our well inside. So if there are people that are not, like we just wanna make sure that every interaction we have is going to be as positive as possible. Life is short and we don't have much time. That's why again, we say no fluff. We try to live our lives with no fluff because we really, unless we want the fluff, but it's really important to, to really look at how the people that we spend our day with because um, it's not worth it to be polite or to, you know, there's always, there's always a way to get out of a social interaction if it's not working for you. So I just, I just really, you know, I feel that that's important. Um, I also just want to say for me, uh, breaking points have, emotional breaking points have also been around um, programs that failed us, failed my son, um, that we thought were going to work out that kind of came out of the blue where they weren't, you know, we didn't feel that they were being creative enough in working with our son. And there was a lot of judgment on, on our son and on us, you know, it, it was never directed at us, but it's sort of a veiled judgment um, when they're talking about how our child can't be doing this in school or can't be doing this in this program. 
are, you know, when we're very open about what our kids' needs are and they're not able to be dealt with in a way that keeps our child included, for me, that's been a breaking point because it, it feels very, it feels very painful. I think that that's the, the, the underlying sentiment is pain. It's hurtful. But, you know, I have acted out in anger when I feel hurt. And it's kind of like the world, it feels like the world is against you and you're alone, you're backed up against a wall. And a lot of, a lot of emotional breakdowns, I think, have to do with feeling abandoned or feeling isolated. And if we can kind of get in touch with that, there might be fewer breaking points yeah. all, over, all over our lives. Alma, I, uh, I'll piggyback on your point again. And uh, while there is a serious, serious barrier also for our family with attitudes and how people kind of react to the disability, one of the things that really kind of brings me down big time is the lack of physical accessibility. Mm -hmm. And that being said, I think that uh, my... Um, my experience in the world, right? Uh, having a child who's using a wheelchair, it's uh, it highlighted a situation that not many of us are familiar anymore with, and that is to be denied entry to places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And until you're in that situation when your child wants to go into that toy store and she really wants that toy store and there is a step and she's in a power wheelchair and there's no way on earth you can lift a 500 pounds wheelchair to help her in. Uh, it, it's just hard to explain how humiliating and devastating mm -hmm. the feeling is. This is mm -hmm. like discrimination at its best. Mm -hmm. And if uh, you care about people with disabilities, I really ask you, never rent a place that is not wheelchair accessible for any of your events, for any of your businesses. Do not support businesses that are not accessible and always choose venues that have full accessibility because by doing so, you're creating a trend in terms of your consumerism that would make this uh, phenomenon of having places of business that are privately owned and it's okay uh, mm -hmm. that are not accessible because it is not okay. And it's someone is crying at night because of your ice cream shop if you don't have a ramp to go in. So oh. um, that's, uh, that's what uh, I think is another point or place in which the the world keeps on hitting us, you know, unintentionally many times, but that's the end result that uh, you are just, it's almost like a place that is not accessible. For me, it feels as if they printed a big sign that says no entry to wheelchair users to our place of business. Yeah. And um, if you would have seen a sign like that hanging loud and clear on the window front of a restaurant or the window front of a store, would you support them? So yeah. I ask you, look at the little signs, see if there's a step, is there a doorway that is too narrow? Is the, um, are the shelves or the uh, restaurant tables too crowded that a person with a wheelchair cannot come in? Do they have a wheelchair accessible restroom? And if they don't have any of those features, raise your voice for us and ask why it is not so. Ask them to change it, to improve it. And next time visit a different business. Don't continue to support inaccessible businesses. That's, that's a, an excellent point. And that's a great way to be an ally and to, you know, be an activist. 
So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and that's, I think it's a great um, analogy. You, If there was a sign on the door saying no Jews allowed, <laughs> no black people allowed, no Asian people allowed, I think most people would have an issue with that. And it's no different with no people with a wheelchair allowed. Oh boy, oh, <laughs> this is like, you know, it's hard sometimes. <laughs> all the time. It's not hard all the time, but you know, I think that a general, a general thread throughout this episode is just feeling um, when we feel pushed against the wall, you know, where there's too, there's just too much that we're dealing with too much and all the different ways in which we can lighten our load by other people, by ourselves, that's really the key to not having the breaking points. And I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast before, but I have started um, putting something in every day in my calendar. The main thing is something that I do for myself so that I make sure that I am ahead of the game, um, making sure that I am taking care of myself emotionally or physically every day so that I don't get to that point where it's building and building and building and I'm not even aware of it. And then, you know, the shit hits the fan. Alma, I'm learning from you every time we record an episode and now <laughs> I'm going to imitate you because I don't have something to look forward to every day. And I should have something to look forward to every day. Yes, I deserve to look forward to something, whether it's very small or not. So um, cool. now on, my friends, I'm telling you, I'm going to be a copycat and I'm going to cool. have something on the calendar for me and me only. Thank Yay. you. I upgraded my show here. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to kind of give another example of a breaking point and how I think maybe people can maybe avoid that breaking point mm -hmm. and that is dealing with insurance companies now we all have many expenses that are related to our children whether it's a uh, braces afos if it's a uh, therapy services it's durable medical equipment just wait did you say afo yeah the that? That, those braces that uh, that kids sometimes maybe i'm not using the right acronyms but like the <laughs> braces on the ankles of the children oh, okay. uh, 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 or, or orthotic prosthetic uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't know <laughs> I cannot remember what it, what it stands for but uh, basically all of those things cost incredible amount of money and we have expenses uh, that other families don't even start to imagine um, so I think uh, dealing with insurance company, especially if you have a good uh, insurance plan, you're hoping that by paying them an arm and a leg on a yearly basis, when your child would unfortunately need a wheelchair, you will receive it. Because mm -hmm. if they cannot walk, they need a wheelchair. It's clear as a daylight. You have the doctor's notes, you have a, a PT uh, recommendation letter, letter of recommendation, letter of medical necessity for the OT. There, it's nothing that anyone can argue with, but having the, the insurance company deny that time and time again, you're just standing there when it happens to you for the first time, just, I, I don't know, there is no words to describe the feeling. It's just Get like- Get a punching bag. Get a punching bag. Uh-huh. Yes. It's really, really bad. And the 
people that uh, sign those denial letters, I want to personally meet with them one day and have them look me in the eyes and live my life mm -hmm. one day at a time to see if they'll deny us again next time we're asking for a specialized bath seat, a specialized wheelchair, whatever it is. So uh, my thing about uh, dealing with insurance companies is that, first of all, if you're a professional and you have a family who's asking for a piece of equipment or some kind of service for, your, for their child, please listen. And unless it's absolutely out of uh, nowhere, approve those requests, write those letters of medical necessity on behalf of the family, because the parents really know, knows best what the child might benefit from and what can work for their family. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is that for all parents out there that have not yet dealt with insurance companies and their practices, just know that everything you ask, they would first say no, and mm -hmm. they will continue to say no. And this is like playing a game in which you are going to sharpen your advocacy skill for your kid. And if you just plan ahead of the game that you'll be denied, and these are the A, B, C steps that you are going to do after the first denial, the second denial, etc. Um, mm -hmm. I think you'll be a little bit more emotionally prepared because it's such a, a kind of a process to mm -hmm. come to the realization that your child would need a wheelchair and to choose a wheelchair and go through all the assessments and come to terms with the fact that this is going to be your family future and then <laughs> to be denied <laughs> when you actually need to make the purchase because by now you can't carry your child anymore because they're too big. That's mm -hmm. quite quite an interesting position to be in. So mm -hmm. make yourself aware that 90% of the times you'll be denied. Mm -hmm. and, um, ask other parents how they dealt with the denial, what to do to kind of uh, appear to a fair hearing, how you do that. And if you're well prepared, you'll be able to survive that process. You will, and you're reminding me of something. I'm going to keep talking, but I'm going to get out of the frame for one second because, <laughs> because you are reminding me of something that I keep in my room for inspiration. This is my friend, Grace Dolores Stevenson. I don't know if you can see. This is, I framed her uh, memorial, the celebration of, of her life. She was a very good friend of mine. She uh, passed away in her late 80s. She was one of the most incredible people I've ever met. And I'm talking about her because she told me a story. And I think this is a great note to end on, unless you have anything you want to add at the end, Iris. But this lovely woman who was a good friend of mine and her, um, her grandson had a disability and she used to come to our Friday group um, for parents of kids with disabilities and caregivers. She had cancer. She moved back to Montclair. She moved to be closer to her daughter in Montclair uh, when she got cancer many years ago. And she told me a story about how she was denied uh, a clinical trial for medication for her cancer that came back. She was denied because they said she was too old. She wrote them a letter giving them all the reasons why 
her life was valuable because of all the community service she did, which she did. She was a tireless volunteer helping the homeless, helping uh, underprivileged kids in Newark with tutoring. She would come to my house with her little spry body and pick up everything that we gave away um, and other people gave away to give to people in need. She collected books for, for families and to create a library in schools in Newark. She was absolutely incredible. And she wrote them a letter saying, I deserve to be in this clinical trial, even though I'm past 80 because of the value that I bring to the world. And guess what? The doctor accepted her into the clinical trial and he put her letter that she wrote on the wall of his office. And I think that that's a great note to end on about being persistent, trying to take those limes and turn them into lemons and turn them into lemonade. And that doctor is now probably gonna say yes a lot more when there's someone who's a little bit older. Um, he's gonna think twice about doing it. And uh, you know, all of these things, you know, we're kind of all over the place with our examples, but there are, there are these common threads of accepting that life is gonna be hard, knowing it, owning it, and planning every day for the worst, but hoping for the best and putting things in, your, in our lives to keep us as calm and as rational as possible but that there are always going to be times when we're just going to lose our shit. And that is normal. It is okay. We need to cut ourselves some slack and we need to take those examples and use them to just keep going forward and, uh, you know, strengthen yourself with your community. That's all. That's all I have to say. Ama, thank you as always. Um, you. I want to thank all of our listeners. If you want to write us comments, you can write to us at info at twomomsnofluff.com. We'll always appreciate your feedback and ideas for other episodes. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time. Yes, and don't forget to give us a five-star rating because those help our podcast reach more people. Please, if you're a listener, we don't ask for money. We don't ask for anything. We just want to share what we have to say with as many people as possible. And when you put a review and or a five-star rating, it really helps to get the podcast out there for people who really need it. So thank you. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.